What's keeping you from being the best you can be? Whatever the issue, you can clear that obstacle and come out swinging. Welcome to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. On today's show, we will feature guest experts who can bring you the tools and ideas that you need to take the next step to your personal success. Now, here is Dr. Linda Sanicola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. Today, we're speaking with somebody who has been blessed with not only one, but two dream careers. My guest today is Marcus Hamilton, and let me tell you a little bit about Marcus. He was born in Lexington, North Carolina, and graduated from Atlantic Christian College in Wilson, majoring in commercial art. In 1965, he and his wife, Kay, moved to Charlotte, where he worked in the art department of W.B. TV. In 1972, he began a career as a freelance illustrator doing artwork for such publications as Golf Digest and Saturday Evening Post. But in 1993, his career and life took an abrupt turn when he responded to a TV interview in which Hank Ketchum, creator of Dennis the Menace, suggested that he would like to retire someday. Marcus contacted Mr. Ketchum, and over a three-year period, Mr. Ketchum trained Marcus to take over drawing the daily Monday through Saturday cartoon panel, which is syndicated worldwide. On May 28, 2005, Marcus was awarded the National Cartoonist Society's Annual Award for Best Newspaper Panel of 2004. The Hamiltons have two adult children and three grandchildren and live in Mint Hill, North Carolina. Welcome, Marcus. Well, thank you, Linda. I I appreciate all you had to say there. It kind of brought Mm -hmm. back some memories. Oh, great. Uh, Yeah, and I'm happy that you invited me to be on your program today. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're here. And, you know, I I see, obviously, that you um, did your undergraduate work as uh, an artist. So were you always interested in, in being an artist? Well, actually, my first uh, recollection of drawing was when I was about five or six years old. Uh, my mother used to bring a notepad and pencil with her to church on Sunday mornings to keep me quiet during the uh-huh. sermon. So uh-huh. I would sit there and doodle. And so uh, they realized, my parents realized, and I did too, that drawing was something that was kind of inborn. I, I guess I had a natural talent for it. And and so uh, I was influenced by Disney. I, I loved the animated features, especially Peter Pan. Uh, I, I remember watching TV programs back uh, when we first got our very first TV. It was a 13-inch black-and-white TV. I was thinking about that the other day. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite comic strips was uh, Little Abner by Al Cap. Uh-huh. uh-huh. You have to be my age to remember that. (laughs) But um, I saw Al Cap on our little TV one day, and he had uh, an easel with his drawing pad, and as he talked, he did a drawing of his main character, Little Abner, just a profile in line drawing. And at my age, whatever it was, 10 or 11 years old, that just impressed me so much. It looked like he was having so much fun drawing. And Mm -hmm. um, it it just encouraged me that if he can draw and make a living at it, maybe that's what I could do when I grow up. Wow. Uh, That was really early inspiration for you. 
It really was. And as I said, the Disney uh, features really inspired me, too. But um, when I realized that the animators were drawing every single frame of that that film and coloring them, and it was just uh, an awesome thought to think that those guys and girls are sitting there doing that. And maybe when I grow up, I could work for Disney and, and do one of those animated features. And that was kind of one of my goals, uh-huh. uh, was to work for Disney when I grew up. Uh-huh. And and you started uh, in the TV world, correct? I, the- I did. That was after college. But um, I was thinking there was one other influence that I had that wasn't uh, cartoons and animation, and that was illustration. Uh, Norman Rockwell, that most people mm-hmm. my age would remember, did the covers for Saturday Evening Post magazine. And I thought, well, if I can't work for Disney, I'd love to be able to draw, you know, illustrate stories and magazine book covers, things like that. Mm-hmm. So that was another goal. So that goal and working for Disney were what uh, led me to go to college and major in commercial art. And that was when I went to Atlantic Christian College down in Wilson, North Carolina, eastern part of the state. And uh, I learned a lot. Kay, my wife, and I were married going into my junior year. And I really appreciated it. I couldn't have done this without her because she worked so hard at a shirt factory there in Wilson for two years to pay our rent and buy our groceries just so I could finish my college education. Wow. So she was a real strong support. Yes, she was. And uh, and uh, as I graduated from there, as you mentioned in the introduction, we moved to Charlotte, where I had been offered a job in the art department at the TV station here. And uh, I'd always been interested in entertainment uh, as well as art. And it just gave me the opportunity to be around broadcasting to... Uh, I was there in 1965 through 67, and that's when they made the the transfer from black and white to color Mm. and such an interesting experience because we artists that were doing artwork that was being broadcast had to learn how color was compatible in black and white because most people didn't have color tvs back then right so uh, that was a real challenge uh, to see what color or shade of gray red or blue or yellow would be when it was uh on the screen so that people mm-hmm. watching in black and white would be able to see the contrast. So that was um, a big challenge for us to make that transition. I mean, there have been so many huge transitions uh, from when you started till now in your industry, haven't there? Oh, there has, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, when I was doing artwork, I worked at a design studio after I left the TV station where I did paste up and uh, doing annual reports and advertising, things of that nature, where you had to spec type. You had to pick the typeface and, and oh, send it to the yeah. typesetter and then paste it up when it came back. Now it's all done digitally. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> excuse me a lot. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I knew I would. <clears throat> I'm sorry. That's all right. This time of the morning, this time of the morning I have a uh, clearing my throat problem. But um, anyway, yes, there have been transitions that I've had to adapt to, and uh, but 
during that time when I was uh, working for the uh, advertising agency and learning as much as I could, I, I learned two basic principles when I was growing up. And I meant, meant to mention that mm-hmm. both of my parents were so supportive of me in everything I did. And I learned to always be prepared. Uh, I, I joined the Boy Scouts when I was 11 years old, and that was their motto. So uh-huh. I, found, I found out to prepare yourself for anything you're going to face, you have to listen and learn. Mm-hmm. And that helped me. And the other thing I learned was never give up. I know a lot of people have heard that from different people, uh, leaders that have been successful. They always say, don't give up. And, and I found out that's so very true because... If you give up, you may miss an opportunity that's just around the very next corner. And right. uh, a lot of that, that's how my careers both came into be, was being right. prepared and not, not giving up. Right, and that's uh, that's something that I've heard uh, many times as I talk to people on this show, is people say, be prepared. Just be prepared, do your homework, do what it takes, so that when an opportunity comes your way, you are able to take advantage of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, as I was working doing advertising and learning the basics of graphic arts, I was doing illustrations on my own. At night, I'd go home and do drawings and paintings, and I still wanted to do illustrations for magazines, but... First, I sent a resume to Disney Studios with some of my samples and got back the, uh, I guess, the usual little Mickey Mouse rejection slip. Mm, mm-hmm. they, they appreciated my interest, but uh, right now they weren't hiring anybody with my lack of experience, in other words. Uh-huh. Uh, so I gave up on that, but then I thought, well, I'd love to do illustrations for magazines. That's when I started mailing to every art director I could get an address for samples of my drawings. And uh, eventually I got a phone call from the art director at True Magazine up in New York, and he liked my samples and asked me to do 40 drawings of all the new model cars that were coming out that next year. Oh, wow. Yeah, that was a challenge. I, I bet. <laughs> I like to draw people, not cars. Not but, cars, yeah. Yeah, but I stayed up all weekend, did those drawings, and mailed them to him. This was before computers or email, or uh, we had to send things special delivery and wait on phone calls. Right. And he liked right. My, he liked what I sent him, and then asked me to do a full page illustration. And then he moved to Golf Digest and became the art director, and told other art directors about my work and the fact. Fact that I was dependable, and I think that's what they're looking for. And mm-hmm. uh, so, before I knew it, I was getting assignments, freelance assignments, from so many places that in 1972 was when I took a big leap of faith and quit my regular job to become a full-time freelance illustrator. Mm-hmm. And, and boy, uh, that is a leap of faith, isn't it? When you go out on your own. It definitely is, because you're used to getting a paycheck on a regular basis, and my wife Kay, being the business-minded person in the family, knew that when I quit my regular job, uh, we wouldn't be getting a paycheck on a regular basis, but uh, Mm -hmm. we both had had enough faith that God would see us through, and He definitely did, and is, and always will. Uh, But as more and more people found out about my work, that was when... 
I started receiving all of these assignments from every magazine I had ever dreamed of working for. That's why I say it was a dream job. I got to work for uh, Doubleday Book Publishing, Cosmopolitan Magazine, uh, Good Housekeeping. Wow. Uh, those were and, all the heavy hitters in yeah, those days. Yeah, I, I that... couldn't believe. Here I was living in Charlotte and competing with all of these illustrators from all over the country. And you have to be very flexible and versatile uh, in your drawing styles and the techniques to compete with, with all these illustrators. So that was, that was another thing about being prepared. I, I always tried different techniques and painting mediums, watercolor, acrylics. So you were always learning, is what you're saying. It goes back to what you said a moment ago about listen and learn. You were always learning. Right, yeah. Uh-huh. In fact, I'm still learning. Uh, uh-huh. uh, and even today, at my age, I, I think, you know, I see things I didn't know I could do if I just used this particular um, medium to accomplish that. And so you always, you never stop learning if you keep your mind open and and looking for opportunities. But, right. Um, yeah, the, the highlight of that freelance career was uh, getting to do a painting of Bob Hope on the cover of the Christmas issue of Saturday Evening Post. Wow. Magazine. That and would have, I, I imagine that would be the pinnacle. That would be the dream in the dream job. It was. And when that magazine came out, I thought, wow, this is where my hero, Norman Rockwell, got his start, and this is what I'm going to be doing the rest of my life. Wow. And little did I know that computer graphics were going to come on the scene soon after that and put me out of business. Right, and, and uh, turn things upside down. So um, yeah. we need to get ready to take a short break here. Okay. And as we do, we're going to listen to a bit of the inspirational song from Olita Adams called Come and Walk With Me. And we'll be right back with my guest, Marcus Hamilton. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. 
If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We're chatting today with my guest, Marcus Hamilton. And uh, Marcus, just before the break, you were starting to tell us about how you were sort of on top of the world, as I'm guessing, with the Bob Hope cover. And then shortly thereafter, everything changed as computers kind of moved into your field. That's that's what happened. Uh, the art directors that I've been working with for for 21 years. That's how long my freelance career lasted, from mm-hmm. 72 to 93. Um, and they just didn't want the hand painted artwork anymore. They don't like that slick graphic look that you can only get on a computer. And mm-hmm. at that time, I didn't own a computer back then. I do now, and I know Photoshop, and I've advanced a lot, but. If that's what they wanted, I couldn't give it to them, so they stopped calling, and my salary uh, diminished completely, and my wife, again, A, insisted I'd better get a real job, or we were going to lose our house and everything else. That must have been terrifying. Would be for me. It was very scary, but Mm -hmm. I did get a job. I ended up working at Walmart, making minimum wage, and I had just turned 50 years old. Wow. Yeah, I was questioning everything about my life and my faith at that point. I bet you were. Yeah, because at 50 years of age, you start looking back and evaluating where you've been and where am I going from here. Mm -hmm. And if working at Walmart, I wasn't a greeter, as a matter of fact. I I did, uh, I transferred um, uh, the customer's photographs that they would bring in, family photographs, to a uh, VHS tape and added mm-hmm. music and all. I was trained to do that, and it was fun. But I thought, mm-hmm. this is how I'm going to spend the rest of my life. Surely yeah, that not. was not the dream part of the job. <laughs> no, that wasn't. So uh, I, uh, out of total frustration, and I, I, I just couldn't believe this. But I, I can remember praying a prayer. I said, Lord, I've trusted you with my life, and look where it got me. I don't see any evidence of you working. I'd mm-hmm. like to know what's going on. And mm-hmm. I know you're not supposed to uh, put God to the test like that, but apparently my timing wound up with his for uh-huh. once because the very next day is when I was sitting home alone. Kay was at work as a bank teller at that time. And I was channel surfing, and I came across a program that was showing scenes from the Dennis the Menace movie that was coming out. And the announcer said the movie was premiering all over the country that week, and they were going to talk to Hank Ketchum, the creator of Dennis the Menace. So I thought, well, I'll watch that because I've always liked Dennis the Menace, and and I'd like to see what Mr. Ketchum has to say. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, 
Do you have any questions so far that... Well, I'm just enthralled by by that because I think we're listening to what's going to become a little bit of divine timing there, Marcus. <laughs> I think it was, yeah, because as I listened to Mr. Ketchum, they asked him now that he'd drawn Dennis for over 40 years, what were his plans? And this is what he said. He said, I want to find somebody to draw Dennis so I can travel and, and write and paint uh, because... The daily deadlines he was facing, uh, you know, kept him from doing some of those things he really wanted to devote his time to doing. And he mm-hmm. he spent the uh, last few years of his life painting some fantastic artwork, different styles from Matisse, uh, one wow. of his heroes. He even had an art show later on called From Menace to Matisse. That wow, I didn't know that. That's interesting. Yeah. It really was. It was a traveling art show that even came through North Carolina, and they invited me to come up and be there for the opening. It was really neat. But anyway, the minute he said he wanted to find somebody to draw Dennis, and somehow in my head I thought, there's an opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I went straight, straight to my telephone and called a cartoonist friend of mine. His name is Jim Scancarelli. He still lives here in Charlotte. We worked together at the TV station. That was our first job together. And he later took over drawing Gasoline Alley, and I figured he might have Hank Ketchum's phone number, so I called him, and and sure enough, he did have Mr. Ketchum's number. So I dialed that number out in Monterey, and Mr. Ketchum answered. I couldn't believe it. That is Uh, divine timing. (laughs) Yeah, and I said, uh, Mr. Ketchum, I just saw you on TV. I'm an artist in Charlotte, North Carolina, and and you said you'd like to retire someday. And I said, if you're serious about that, I'd love to have the opportunity to draw Dennis. And he said, well, send me some samples of your work. Let me see what you can do. So I put together a package of that Bob Hope cover and some of the other illustrations I'd done over the years and mailed them out to him and kind of forgot about it. A couple weeks later, I got this big white envelope with Dennis on the outside, and uh, to be honest, my heart started beating a little faster because I knew it wasn't a rejection slip. Right, right. Yeah. Opened it up, and there was four typewritten pages from Mr. Ketchum, and he said, Dear Marcus, I like your work. If you're serious about pursuing Dennis, show me how you would draw him in four different situations, and he he gave me the little caption or the gag that they call it to mm-hmm. go by, and I was ecstatic, as you can imagine. I can I, imagine, yeah. I just, and you know, I I'm curious if I can kind of zero in for a moment on that moment when you picked up the phone. It, it sounded like you knew right away that's what I should do. You yeah, know, you, I, because sometimes it was, it's hard, I think, for people when you're when you're kind of down. And you're at a yeah. low point in your career or your low point in your life. It's sometimes hard to open your creativity or your mind or your heart or whatever it is to be able yeah. to just take that inspired action. I know. And and as I look back over that now, it amazes me that I, I had the courage to do it. Because, I'm, and I even tell people, uh, some people have said, uh, what a lucky break or what a coincidence. You just happened to be watching TV when Mr. Ketchum said that. I don't think so. (laughs) I don't believe uh, it was a coincidence. I really believe God gave me the wisdom to see an opportunity 
absolutely no one else took advantage of and the courage right. to make that phone call. Um, but what really struck me strange, after uh, I got to working with Mr. Ketchum a little bit, he invited me up to New York uh, to meet with him and our Sunday artist, Ron Ferdinand, who lives in upstate New York. He wanted, Mr. Ketchum wanted the bosses at King Feature Syndicate that own the publishing rights to Dennis all around the world. Dennis is in like almost a thousand newspapers in 48 countries. Mm-hmm. I think it's 19 different languages, but he wanted to introduce Ron and me to King Features people so they would know as he announced his retirement who would be taking over. Wow. And after that meeting with them, we went to the Palm Restaurant. It was amazing. And it was fancy, huh? Uh, yeah. I couldn't believe this was happening. But mm-hmm. anyway, he invited me up to his hotel room to have a conversation since we didn't see each other in person very often. And and I got up my nerve and I said, Mr. Ketchum, what made you decide I was the person you were going to give this opportunity to? He said, well, Marcus, you were the only person that responded to that television interview. Oh, my goodness. Now, that's amazing I, to me. I know. It, it amazes me when I think about it now that of all the people that were watching that, none of them saw it as an opportunity like I mm-hmm. did. And I guess right. you have to reach a point, as you were saying, some people... Uh, don't know when to take advantage of an opportunity, but I guess I was at that point that I didn't see any other option. This was the perfect opportunity dropped in my lap, and I'm glad I took advantage of it. Right, and I mean, there's the whole process, I think. Like you said, you're a man of faith, and you had prayed uh, plainly and directly in a request to God, and then, sure enough, this opens up. So I think that's the... That's the inspiration part of taking action. It was, yes, indeed. Because if I, it had been up to me by myself, sitting there watching TV, um, and I had given up, as I said, don't ever give up. Mm-hmm. And if I'd given up in my mind that, you know, I'm going to be working at Walmart the rest of my life or doing something just to make a living, then I wouldn't have seen what Hank Ketchum said as an opportunity. It would right. have just been another TV show. Right, right. So you have yeah, to, to keep an open life. mind. Yeah. And one of the, the things I like people to ask themselves, in whatever situation it might be, is to think about, well, what else is possible for me here? Mm-hmm. And it seems like you had to be asking yourself some version of that as you listened to Hank Ketchum. Yes. And as you heard that as an opportunity to say, oh, really, what else is possible? I know, yeah. Well, when he flew my wife Kay and I out to Monterey uh, a few months after that first conversation, that the day I saw him on TV was June the 22nd, 1993, and I'll always remember that. And he just assumed, Mr. Ketchum did, that I, I had a good freelance job and I was doing well, and he didn't realize I was kind of desperate for a job at that point. So he mm-hmm. didn't hire he didn't hire me immediately, but he flew us out there. He wanted to meet me in person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we flew in over Monterey Bay, having never been there before in our lives, and it was almost um, a strange answer to a prayer. Uh, <clears throat> As I excuse me again. <clears throat> I'm sorry. No. Um, as I was looking down at the Monterey Bay, 
uh, I had just been reading a little booklet that had the 23rd Psalm in it. It was Lead Me Beside Still Waters. Oh, uh uh-huh. And I thought, that's exactly what's happening. Wow. My soul is being restored through this wonderful opportunity. And Mr. Ketchum met us at the airport there in Monterey. He was so friendly and welcoming. He wanted to carry my luggage for me. And I <laughs> then he uh, he said, well, I'm going to be driving you to where you're going to be staying at a bed and breakfast inn that his wife, Roland, had picked out for us. And he said, you have a little rental car here. You follow me down there to Carmel-by-the-Sea. I wow. could not believe it. Wow is right. Um, there, there are so many little miraculous things that happen because of all of this. I wish I could tell it all to you, but we're out of time, I'm sure. But um, Just about. It was, but it, it sounds like your soul was soothed during that time. Oh, it was. It was yeah. just a comforting feeling, but it was like I was living in a dream. This wasn't right. really happening the, to me. There's so many, part, so many dream parts to that, and I'm going to ask you to hold that thought, and, and uh, okay. we will once again go to commercial break with the words of Olita Adams and Come and Walk With Me, and we'll be right back with Marcus Hamilton. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Are you happy in your life or are you just settling? It's time to speak out, take control of your existence, and let your life speak. Bart Queen is the host of A Hero's Journey. His personal goal is to help you find your voice, use that voice, and live the life that you deserve to live. Do more, be more, and give more. Tune in to A Hero's Journey on the Voice America Empowerment Channel live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You owe it to yourself to tune in and make your voice count. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you, like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit DrSanicola.com. Again, that's DrSanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. 
Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with Marcus Hamilton, and he is telling us his stories of having two dream careers. And let's pick up uh, where we left off, uh, Marcus, as you were talking about coming out to Carmel and uh, visit um, with Mr. Ketchum that first time here. Yeah, well, it it just seemed so unbelievable. And uh, as he drove us down to the bed and breakfast inn where we were, Kay and I were going to be staying, uh, he said, uh, after you get checked in and everything, I'll see you in the morning. He showed me where his studio was in Monterey, and he said, I'll see you at 8.30 in the morning. And Ms. Hamilton could go shopping or whatever she'd like to do. And uh, he said, but I want you to take uh, Kay, walk her down to the beach here in Carmel by the sea. I want you to see where, he said this, uh, when he was 19, he had been, he was a freshman at uh, the University of Washington. He was born in Seattle. And as he had always wanted to work for Disney Studios. Mm. That was his goal. And after his first year, he dropped out of college, hitched a ride to go down to Burbank. But halfway there, they dropped him off, and he spent the night, this is what he was telling me, out on Carmel Beach. And he just wanted me to see where he had spent the night. And and it kind of inspired me about how dedicated he was and determined that he was going to work for Disney. So he got down to Disney Studios later and went there, and they didn't hire him because I guess he didn't have enough experience. Well, that must have sounded a little familiar (laughs) at uh that point. Yeah, but he didn't give up. He went over to Walter Lance Studios, did the Woody Woodpecker cartoons and Andy Panda, and they hired him. And he stayed there almost two years and got to work on those animated cartoons. So then he went back to Disney Studios, and they hired him in 1938. And he was there for four years, and he got to work on Fantasia and Pinocchio Mm. and Bambi. I mean, the classic. Classics, yeah, the big classics of that era. But how much he must have learned about teamwork while he was working for Disney because he was an in-betweener. The main, the head animators would do the the poses of the characters from one to the other, but then the in-betweeners would have to animate all the actions in between. So he learned the value of dedication, not giving up, and working with other people to accomplish a goal. So that's kind of how he... He does Dennis the Menace. He knew uh, he was going to run out of fresh ideas after he started Dennis back in 1951. Uh, so he got gag writers, professional writers, to start oh. sending in their I- ideas. Mm-hmm. So uh, we still have writers that send us their ideas uh, to do yeah. the drawings from. Uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I I did wonder about that. I thought you know you're you have to have a new fresh idea every single day. And yeah. I wondered how how does one how does one how is that how does that happen? Is there like just a you know does it come from within? But you're saying also it comes from within, and there's a little help by some writers. Yeah, it, yeah if you see an idea written down, he he trained me, Mr. Ketchum did. He said you've got to have fun with what you're doing, mm-hmm. and if you're doing having fun with it, your readers will sense that they'll pick up on it. Mm-hmm. If it stops being fun, they'll pick up on that and they'll stop reading your comic and he's very uh, accurate in that 
But, um, yeah, the writers send us their ideas, and now Mr. Ketchum's son, Scott, has come on the Dennis team, and uh, he is now selecting the gags. Instead of them coming straight to me, okay. um, Mr. Ketchum's son picks them out and sends them to me, and I just go through and pick out six I want to do each week. And um, But uh, I was going to tell you something else that was kind of miraculous that happened when Mr. Ketchum took us down to Carmel-by-the-Sea, our first time out there. And uh, as he left us there, um, and I t- walked Kay out to the beach, the day before, in Charlotte, before we flew out there, I had been to Home Depot to buy some art supplies to take with me out to California. And as I was in the parking lot walking to my car, a monarch butterfly flew across me and landed on a stop sign. And it captured captured my attention. I looked over there, and I don't usually see monarch butterflies, but Mm -hmm. it was October. And I looked over there, and it just made me think it was God's way of saying, trust me, because I was kind of nervous at the time going out to meet Hank Ketchum in person and all. Right, right. So the next day in Carmel, we were walking down to the beach, and what should happen? A monarch butterfly flew across in front of Kay and and me, and I said, Kay, you're not going to believe this. The same thing happened yesterday in Charlotte. And Mm -hmm. it was almost like a confirmation. Mm -hmm. Well, we got Mm -hmm. back to our room, and there was a little brochure for Pacific Grove, and it was a picture of a little kid dressed in a monarch butterfly outfit. I opened it up. It said that's where the Monarch Butterfly Festival was taking place that week because the monarch butterflies migrate to the Monterey Peninsula from up in Canada and all that every year at that time. And I thought, that, now every time I see a monarch butterfly, Mm -hmm. it's a reminder of, you know, God can let you know things in very unusual ways, very simple ways that you wouldn't even think about. But if your mind is thinking in that direction, you say, well, that's a confirmation. It really encourages me that he is in charge. So. Right. And and isn't that sort of a, um, a, a universal sign, if you will? I, I've heard over the years many, many, many people say that a butterfly is like a, a sign from heaven, a sign of yeah. God's presence. Uh, and I, I know I a lot of people is. believe that. Well, I do too because I've seen it in person. Yeah, uh, and, and it seemed like that whole trip, there were so many um, signs, if you will, that, that you were on the right path, yeah. you know, had, that, that you were, were doing the right thing. Yeah, Yeah, and we met uh, uh, Dottie, uh, who was the uh, administrative assistant, and still is. She handles all the bookkeeping and uh, everything else in the office. She did it for Mr. Ketchum for many years, and, and he passed away in 2001. And I miss him greatly because he had a wonderful sense of humor. and uh, He was a genius when it comes to creativity, the way he created Dennis the Menace and the way he drew, the way he composed his daily panels. And, and the reason he had someone else doing the Sunday page, I mentioned Ron Ferdinand. He's been doing the Sunday page since 1982, mm. uh, uh, like 11 years before I came along. And he's still doing it. Uh, and he's a great guy, but uh, he, when I met him for the first time, and Karen, who used to work on the Sunday page, was working there too. 
And so Dottie and Karen and Ron and myself and Kay went down to Monterey Bay to have lunch. And um, to show you how things work together, um, I knew that uh, Mr. Ketchum was was letting uh, Karen go. Uh, He didn't need two people doing the Sunday page at that time, and he was going Mm -hmm. to hire me to take over drawing the dailies. And I asked Karen what her plans were, and because it felt a little guilty. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she said, well, she didn't know what she'd do, probably pick up freelance work or something. Now, one thing I didn't tell you, I had been offered the Flintstone comic strip prior to this, and I'd tried out for it, and the publisher up in New York was willing to hire me, but I told him, I have an opportunity to do Dennis, and I need to go meet with Mr. Ketchum before I could give him my decision. So when we were sitting there on Monterey Bay and Karen said she didn't have anything planned, I said, would you like to draw the Flintstones? And she said, well, sure. Mm. So I, when I got back, I contacted the guy in New York and I said, I can't do Dennis because I asked Mr. Ketchum. I mean, I can't do the Flintstones. Mm-hmm. When I was in California, I asked Mr. Ketchum, I said, do you think I could work on the Flintstones, which I've been offered, and Dennis too? And he said, absolutely not. Oh, okay. <laughs> he said, you're going to be so that. busy. Yeah, he let me know right up front, you're going to have a full-time job drawing Dennis. So anyway, mm-hmm. Karen ended up doing the Flintstones comic strip, and it's funny how it all filtered through this one experience, um, all the people's lives that were touched in mm-hmm. unusual ways. Um, and another thing, Ron... Uh, who draws the Sunday page. We worked together in Mr. Ketchum's office, and he invited me to come up to Salinas uh, to meet his wife and family so, while we were out there. So Kay and I drove up one evening, had dinner with him, and as we were sitting around talking things in common, he said he played guitar, and I, I said, well, I do too. He said he plays in a praise band at his church, and I said, well, I'm I played some of those songs, and so he had an extra guitar, and so he and his wife, Andrea, and my wife, Kay, and we sat around and played some of the same songs I had just been playing in Charlotte before I flew out there, and it just seemed like this thing was meant to be. It, it sure We does. felt like family, uh, having never met Mr. Ketchum or Ron or Dottie or Karen and, and, and Mrs. Ketchum, she was so sweet. She invited us over to have dinner with her in um, Pebble Beach, where their home was. And I mean, it was like this is all meant to be. And right, and I, it just opened up. It sounds like, and and everything yeah. flowed together in, in really a a perfect and a miraculous way for everybody. It did, and I am so grateful for the opportunity. And uh, now every day I get to do a drawing of Dennis. Uh, and it's a challenge. It's it's not a real easy job like some people would think because I have to do reference work. If I'm drawing Dennis shopping in a mall with his mom, I have to go take pictures and see what mm-hmm. it looks like. Mm-hmm. Or, mm-hmm. You know, Google malls and get some pictures to draw from. But, uh, but it's a challenge, but it's a joy. And uh, as I said, Mr. Ketchum had such a great sense of humor, and the fact that he was willing to share his creation with a total stranger he had never met, uh, mm-hmm. 
it just, it was unbelievable. It sounds like it was just, like I said, really uh, a miraculous unfolding uh, of really the plan for your life. And uh, yeah. it's really a beautiful story. Now, we need to take one more break. So we're uh, getting ready to do that. And we'll be right back with my guest, Marcus Hamilton. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you happy with your financial life? Or are you like most people, underachieving with your income, working your tail off without the rewards you deserve? Are you going through a boom or bust cycle over and over again, hitting an inner set point? Perhaps you are struggling with the same old issues over and over again. Are your finances a source of peace or stress? Is your money the root of your problems or the path to your freedom and empowerment? If you answered yes to stress and problems, then it's time to ask yourself one more question. What else is possible? Sign up for Dr. Linda Sanicola's six-week Tapping into Wealth Coaching program by visiting drsanicola.com. This program is designed to help you break through your unconscious wealth set points and experience the true freedom, creativity, enthusiasm, and rewards you were meant to have. Get started today at drsanicola.com. That's drsanicola.com. Are you looking to get unstuck from the rut that has seemingly become your life? Move ahead by tuning in to Psychopedia, Life Principles to Help You Get Unstuck. Host Dr. Jeffrey Shaw and his guests will help with the encouragement you need to make that forward move. Guests include therapists, financial advisors, and more, as well as shared stories of hope from the listening audience. Psychopedia, Life Principles to Help You Get Unstuck can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Empowerment. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned in to Be the Best You Can Be with Dr. Linda Sanicola. If you want more information about Dr. Sanicola or our program, please visit drsanicola.com. Again, that's drsanicola.com. Now, back to this week's show. Welcome back, everybody. We are visiting today with my guest, Marcus Hamilton, who's telling us about his two dream careers. And I, I want to begin this segment, Marcus, by really thanking you for your time today and sharing your experience and your wisdom and your great stories with us. I really appreciate it. Well, it's been my pleasure, and thank you for the invitation. I hope uh, something I've said might stick in someone's mind about uh, you know not giving up and being prepared because that's gotten me through almost every situation I've ever faced. Right, and and you know, um, Marcus, your your second dream job came as a result of an interview that you heard and you saw, and you never know. Um, here we are interviewing, and you never know what can come from that if things are are what someone needs to hear to take inspired action. 
Yeah. So I, you know, that's sort of one of the reasons why I do the show to see if that's uh, if that's what can be made available for people. Well, I so, think that's great that you do that because you have so many different subjects that you've covered in your interviews, and someone's listening out there. I'm sure that has been touched in a positive way by what they have heard. I, I sure hope so. That's that's my goal. And so, um, can you tell people, Marcus, if they wanted to get in touch with you, how how can they reach you? Well, uh, we have a website. Um, uh, King Features, that, that owns the publishing rights, has comicskingdom.com. Uh, I believe that's it. But you can go to www.dennisthemenace.com. Just be sure you spell menace right. A lot of people think <laughs> menace is spelled like Dennis, but it's D-E-N-N-I-S-T-H-E-M-E-N-A-C-E.com. And it has all the background information on Mr. Ketchum and Ron and Scott and myself. And it has uh, the information on, on how to contact us, too. Okay, um, great. And, uh, but uh, as far as a, an email address, um, mine is uh, DTM South uh, for Dennis the Menace South. At carolina.rr.com. Okay, great. Thank you. Um, uh-huh. You know, I have so many questions I still wanted to be able to chat about, which we're not going to have time for, but I want to take a moment, if I can, to summarize the information you've shared about being the best you can be, really. And that is to, um, to always be tenacious, never give up, be prepared, be dependable. Listen, learn, and uh, the last ones you added with were, were teamwork from Mr. Ketchum and uh, have fun. Yeah. Does that sum it up uh, pretty much? It really does. You did a great okay. job. Okay, uh, great. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wanted to uh, touch base, if I can, for a moment, just to ask, what is it like to work on a project that is almost universally known? I mean, doesn't everybody know who Dennis the Menace is? Uh, they do, and uh, sometimes I think if I really thought about how many people are looking at my work, I would be nervous. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't get my mind wrapped around that. I kind of focus more on my my job, uh, the challenge I have of doing a different panel every day, trying to make it creative, unique, don't copy somebody else's work, uh, even though I am, you know, emulating Mr. Ketchum's style. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, let, he always said, when I talked to him, it's there's a, more than one way to skin a cat. Uh, he said the way I he sees things may not be the way I would see the same situation, but he said, use your creative thinking, put Dennis in the situation with the other characters, Mr. Wilson, Margaret, his mom and dad, Ruff, but always look at it like you're the director and you have the characters as your actors. You move around the room and look at every situation from every angle a camera person would see it. Mm-hmm. And then sketch it and select the one you like best. And that just always inspired me. Is that I always thought I'd run out of fresh ideas, but if you look at things from every angle, 
before you settle in on the final drawing or painting um, or project you're working on, it inspires you because you see it from angles you never thought of because mm-hmm. somebody mm-hmm. else may be across the room seeing it from their perspective and you're not seeing it that way. So Mr. Ketchum knew what he was talking about when he said, move around the room, around the mm-hmm. scene you're drawing. Mm-hmm. So you can mm-hmm. And and that's so interesting because I guess um, when you put it that way, I hadn't thought of it before, but I think that it, it reminds me a little bit of the work that your son, Devin, does. And I, I should let everybody yeah. know also that Marcus's son, Devin, is also my brother-in-law. So um, he's, uh, he's yeah. certainly in, in filmmaking and uh, the photographs that you see on the website that of me are are taken by Devin, so I know yeah. that that's that's what he does. You know, We're in terms very proud, of uh, proud yeah. of Devin, his creative thinking, and um, and also our daughter owns a yarn shop here in in Mint Hill, and she and her husband and our grandkids live right across the street from us. So, oh, uh, it's nice to have family close by. And yet Devin's all the way out in California, where you are. Yeah. We only see him about once a year, but. We talk on the phone every single day. Devin is very faithful about calling. And that's good when you stay close to your your children, even when they're uh, grown and the age you remember being. Mm-hmm. And the challenge mm-hmm. he faces, I can, I can remember facing the same challenges that he's going through now. Right, um, right. And, he, you, you know, you're so right. Devin is definitely a, a family man and, and very, <laughs> very committed and connected to to his family and that's a wonderful quality to see I think yeah so well, I've um, been blessed with uh, a good my wife is so faithful and helpful to support me when I'm doing something sometimes we don't know how it's going to come out but she has stuck with me through both of these dream careers uh-huh yeah thank she's she's uh, sounds like she's a real source of strength and once again I thank you for your time today Marcus and uh, I look forward to staying in touch and maybe we can talk again I hope so thank you Linda have a and good day Thank you. Now, um, I hope that you all join me next week when we will be visiting with modern-day music mystic Mr. Ray Davis. And today I leave you with these words, and I'm not sure to whom they should be attributed, but the words are, I don't know how my story will end, but nowhere in my text will it ever read, I gave up. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Be the best you can be with Dr. Linda Sanicola can be heard each Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We hope to have you join us again next week. Thank you.